so grateful to be the pastor of a church where folks um, say that they can just come here to be known just as they are and loved. I'm so grateful to be a part of a church where people are excited about the energy that is here and think it's special. Um, and my husband is excited to be married to someone who said magical. He was like, Erica, that was the Holy Spirit. That's what you call that. Um, so I got a little theology lesson after that video. But I'm, I'm, I just want to take a moment um, now after the first year birthday party and just say thank you to each person who showed up for 52 Sundays and helped us set up and tear down, who showed up to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and shine light and ignite change in this community. Thank you to every person who's volunteered in the children's ministry, who helped run a bounce house or serve food last week, who's, who have invited friends. Thank you for what you do. There is something magical about what's happening here, and I'm so glad that you're a part of it. If this is your first time, there is place for you, and we're so glad you're here and are going to be a part of this too. This morning, we are continuing our sermon series, Brave, Strong, Known, and Loved. So the first two weeks, we talked about being brave, um, how God calls us to be brave right now, not three weeks from now, not three years from now, not ten years from now when everything's right in our lives. God calls us to be brave today. And last week we talked about how to be strong even when the, the river is in flood stage and it makes no sense to go across it, to be strong and rooted in the love and promise of God. And this morning we're going to sort of talk about the, the birthplace of bravery and strength. We're going to talk about being known and loved. We're going to talk about the refuge that God offers to us. Um, as I was reading, we're going to turn to Joshua 20. If you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and, and turn there if you'd like. If you look at the Bible on your phone, you can, um, you can do that as well. Um, but this morning, we're going to talk about God offering us refuge, a place where we can be known and loved. Um, many of you know that I was a seventh grade math teacher. Some of you may not know this. I was a seventh grade math teacher before I became a pastor. I felt God asking me to be in ministry and running to a seventh grade math classroom is not a good place to run from God. I think a you know, Jonah had it figured out a little better than I did. Uh, three days would have been very different than a year. But I did enjoy teaching seventh grade um, some days. But to begin the school year, I, this should have been a sign to me, but to, be, to begin the school year, the principal always sits down with the seventh, with the teachers in the grade level. And they don't go through like problem students, but like something that you might need to know about some of the kids. Like this kid has been in and out of foster care, so you might just want to pay attention to some things there. Like their homework might not be in on time. Is there a way you can offer a little bit more compassion? Or this kid and this kid should never sit beside each other because they're either going to fight or get in big trouble together or um, you know just different things like that so we were going through the list the principals you know sat all of us seventh grade teachers down going through the list and um, I remember she looked at this one kid Gabe and she said he's a runner and I was like does that mean like he's gonna be going to track meets on the weekend like what does it mean he's a runner and every other seventh grade veteran teacher like rolled their eyes at me because they knew what it meant it meant he ran away from a class when things didn't go his way he would run away so the principal like explains this to me like if you have the windows open because Seventh grade, after PE, you open your windows. That's just what you do. Um, if you have the windows open, like Gabe, is, Gabe, if he gets angry or something upsets him, like he's going to go out the window and take off away. He's a runner. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like what do we do with this? Um, so we, we just kind of monitored that for, for the first month or so of school. 
Um, and one day, I forgot to bring my lunch to school. So I sat in the cafeteria, and then and Chris is like, one day. I, I forgot it like weekly, and he often had to bring it to me. And this one day, he was too busy to bring me my lunch at school. So he's like, you're going to have to figure it out, um, is what actually happened. And so I went to the principal, and I was like, is there any way during my planning period, you have this like 45 minutes during the day, I could just like run to McDonald's, get a Big Mac and some french fries and a big old sweet tea and come back. Like it will be, it will help me finish the day with seventh graders. And she was like, sure, you can do that. You had to ask for permission to leave campus. So she's like, sure, you can do that. So I go out, get my Big Mac, my fries, my sweet tea. My mouth is like literally watering as I pull back into the school. It's like a half mile drive between the school. Um, you know, the drive is like a half mile long. It's, it's a really long sort of driveway. And as I'm pulling back in, all I can think about is I'm going to get to go to my classroom and for the next 10 minutes, there are going to be no seventh graders in my classroom and I'm going to get to eat this Big Mac and these french fries and drink this gallon of sweet tea and it is going to be like amazing. I'm going to be ready for the rest of the day. And I'm pulling in like literally that's all I can think about and I see this kid running as fast as he can like right towards my car. So I like slam on the brakes, put it in park and I got out of my car because I was like this is obviously a kid running away from school and it was Gabe running as hard as he could away from school and so I like put my arms out and I'm like stop Gabe stop and he runs right into my arms and I said what are you running from and what I meant was what class are you running from and he doesn't answer me he he, he doesn't answer he just like kind of like feel him in my arms start to shake and I said Gabe what are you running from and he pulls back from me and he said Miss Little I was little before I was married he said Miss Little I don't know what I'm running from I don't know what I'm running from. And about that time, the SRO, who was moving much slower than Gabe, like comes walking, like, thanks for stopping him. I'm like, you're welcome. My car door is like open and still running. So I was like, can you drive my car back? Me and Gabe will walk the rest of the way in to school. And so as, as we're walking, I was like, Gabe, like, seriously, what are you running from? And I keep like wanting to know, like, do I need to take you back to band or PE? Like, where do you need to be? I'm about to eat my Big Mac and fries by myself. Uh, you're not going to my classroom. But what are you running from, Gabe? And he looked at me, he's like, Miss Little, I don't know why I've been running. And I, I'll be honest with y'all, that's about the extent of the conversation. By the time I've asked him that like five times, we're at the principal's office. But I, I won't forget, as we're headed into the principal's office, he looks at me and he goes, Miss Little, have you ever run from something? And I was like, I just want my Big Mac and fries. You can take your little 11-year-old question into the principal's office and deal with this. But like, what are you running from, right? Maybe our running doesn't look like a seventh grader taking off as far as he can from the classes and the life that is just absolutely overwhelming him. But do any of you all feel like maybe you're like that kid? You've escaped school for today and you're taking off running as fast as you can in the opposite direction of everything you need to be doing right now. Anybody feel like that? Let me tell you something. There is a God who invited people into a promised land, and I want you to hear what he told Joshua. We're about to read about it. The promised land is only the promised land because it has a city of refuge, a place where you can stop running and escaping and hiding from everything that's been chasing you for years, a place where you can stop at the city gates and experience the quiet, brave, strong love of God so you may know that you too are brave, that you are strong, that you are known, and you are loved. If Gabe was standing up here this morning and looked at you and said, have you ever run? What are you running from? What would be your answer this morning? What are you hiding from? What 
are you escaping from? In Joshua chapter 20, it says this, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Tell the Israelites to designate cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses. Did y'all hear this? As I instructed you through Moses. So this is what happened. Moses led the people out of slavery and bondage and a bunch of stuff that was awful. He led them out of Egypt, out of all of that mess, into the wilderness for 40 years. before they could, But they were on their way to the promised land. And before God ever looked at Joshua, who took Moses' place when Moses died, before they got in the promised land, before Joshua was ever told by God, be brave and be strong, God told Moses, I'm going to send your people to the promised land, and there's going to be a place there of refuge. In Exodus 35 is where, where... He tells, where God tells Moses this, he says, Six of the towns that you give the people will be cities of refuge, to which a person who's killed someone may flee. In addition, give them 42 other towns. So when someone's done something wrong and they're running for their life, there has to be a place for them where they stop and can experience a city of refuge. Before I read the rest of this, I want you to know it's, it, it says it's for people who accidentally killed somebody or did something wrong. If you think this morning that you're running... Is, is different than these people who are running for their life because they've done a murder. I'm telling you right now that I don't, some of us in here have not done those kinds of things, but I'm telling you that any way that you run from God is what we're talking about this morning, running away and hiding and escaping from the things that God has. This is what God says to the people in the promised land. Tell the Israelites to designate cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses so that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may, may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. When they flee to one of these cities, they are to stand in the entrance of the city gate and state their case before the elders of, their, of that city. So before you can go in, you got to say, this, this is what I'm dealing with. And then listen to this, y'all. Then the elders are to admit the fugitive into their city and provide a place to live among them. Did y'all hear that? You don't get to judge. You don't get to decide who's in and out. You open the city gate and you say, here's a place where you can live and be among us. This is what we're going to talk about this morning is refuge. A place where you are known and loved. And I believe that each of us are longing for this in our lives. See, refuge was a part of God's plan from the very beginning. Y'all heard that right? You heard me read Moses. Before Joshua, there was Moses. Before Moses, God created the entire world. And it said that he created it out of darkness and chaos. If you are living in darkness and chaos this morning, I want, to he I want you to hear this. That is where God, you, that's what God in intervened in to create creation, a refuge from darkness and void and chaos. Refuge was a part of God's plan from the very beginning. He tells Moses, there's got to be cities of refuge. There are pomegranates, there's cucumbers, there's milk, there's honey in this promised land. Things you've not got to eat for 45, 50 years. You get to eat these things in the promised land, but there's more than just abundance. There's more than just rivers and trees and wildlife. There's more than just milk and honey and pomegranates and cucumbers. There is a place of refuge. A place when you mess up, you can go to the city gates and say, hey, I don't have this right. And you are known and you are loved. You are invited into the city gates. Do y'all hear me? Refuge was a part of God's plan from the very beginning. That's the first thing we have to know about God's 
refuge that he offers us. The second thing is that refuge is the birthplace of strength and bravery. Refuge is the birthplace of strength and bravery. It was from the very beginning, before God told Joshua, go be brave and be strong, before that, God, uh, Joshua was with Moses. And he said to him, he, Moses lays his hands on him. He says, I'm not cut out to be a leader. You don't understand. He admits that he's not exactly got it right. And he says, he, he says be brave and be strong. Um, sorry. There, is there a slide for that? There, I think so. Sorry. It's the second thing. Okay. Sorry. So the first point is refuge was part of God's plan from the very beginning. The second part is that um, refuge is the birthplace of, of strength and bravery. You can stop running. You don't have to keep running. That's the place where you experience strength and bravery. It's, this, is, this is what we think strength and bravery often comes from, right? We think it, you see strength and bravery come out in the middle of the battle, in the middle of the fight, in the middle of the river that you've crossed that's in flood stage. But that's not where strength and bravery is born. Strength and bravery is born in the refuge before that where you tell God, I'm not big enough and I'm not good enough to lead this next thing or to do this next thing. And God says, but you are brave, you are strong, I know you and I love you. And in the middle of the fight, in the middle of the river, in the middle of whatever you're in is where, the, is where bravery and strength is born. It's where you root, <laughs> get rooted in that why, why you're doing what you're doing. If you're, if you're here this morning and you're like, I'm really good at hiding or, 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 you know, running away from things, this morning I'm here to tell you that refuge is the, is the place where strength and bravery is born. The second thing, sorry, my notes are like all messed up up here. All right, I'm good now. All right, to enter refuge, to enter into the city of refuge, you just have to admit that you need healing, hope, and wholeness. So for those of you who are worn out, and tired of running and hiding, who've stuck something in, in your backpack and you've decided to carry it around with you everywhere you go and you're running as hard as you can to try and stay away from it and to keep it covered up, I'm here to tell you this morning that to enter refuge, to experience refuge, our, our question this whole series has been, how do I move from where I am to the place that God wants me to be? And to enter into that refuge, you just need to admit that you need hope and healing and wholeness. I'm broken, things aren't making any sense, I'm hurt, I'm sick, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I don't know if things can ever be different from this. You just need to admit, I need some hope. I need some hope that this is not the way it's going to be forever. And God says, take a step into refuge. Just admit that to somebody. Just say it out loud. I need healing. I need some healing. I feel broken and open and wounded, and I need healing. I need wholeness. I feel disconnected and fragmented and upset all the time. I need to experience wholeness. And to enter refuge, all God says you have to do is look at someone and say, these things I've been carrying around, this secret, this darkness that I've been carrying around everywhere with me, I need to offer it to somebody this morning. I need to just say out loud, I don't want it to have the power. And here's what happens. When we put those things out in light, when we quit stuffing them in our backpack or figuring out how to hide them in the corner of a room or sweep them under a rug, when we start to put light on those issues that we've spent all our life and all our energy and all our time trying to hide or run away from, the light and love of Jesus, when we say it out loud, the light begins to take the darkness and the power away from that guilt and that shame. There's something about saying, I'm really afraid of failing. That, that brings it out into the light and God can do something with that. 
I'm really tired of continuing to move forward. I have zero control over the alcohol or the substance or the media or whatever else it is that you feel like you have zero control over. Say it out loud. Get it out in the open and let some light shine on it because that's when God works best. The light takes the darkness away. What are the issues in our world, right, that we, we sweep under a rug, we pretend like they don't exist, and we, we never talk about them? What does it look like to say we just need to shine a little light on this? What does that look like this morning? Because it begins to take away the power of shame and guilt. Here's the third thing. So that to enter refuge, you just need to say, I need hope, I need healing, I need wholeness. That's how you experience refuge. And then to offer refuge to someone else. Did y'all hear what the, what the people at the city gate did? They just listened and gave them a place in the city. To offer refuge, all we have to do is listen to somebody else and not judge it. That's not our job. Our job isn't to judge or fix everybody else. But you have held space when somebody admits to you that they've done something wrong. You've held space for God's light to do something that you can't do anyway. And that's offer a space for hope and healing and wholeness. So the third thing that we do, it, the third thing that refuge offers is just a place for, for you to stop being judged. A place for you to be known and loved and it offers protection and freedom it protects you from the things you feel like you're running from that's that's what the city leaders were supposed to do protect them from it and it offers you freedom to live in a new way when that's not the powerful dark secret you've been dragging around behind you it suddenly becomes the the place where light can be on it imagine what offering refuge might offer to your friendships to your relationships to your work life to your marriage what might it offer if you just say you know what I admit I don't have this all right I admit I need hope and healing and wholeness what would it mean if somebody else said that to you and you just offered them a space to say that without judgment you just offered them love imagine what that could do to our friendships our relationships our world our children our grandchildren our parents our friends it's a place then refuge becomes a place where you're known and you are loved. This week when I was kept thinking about refuge, I texted my friend Katie who is in recovery, um, has just celebrated 10 years, which is exciting, exciting news. Um, but I asked her, I said, what was it like that first time walking into an AA meeting? Like you've often told me that, it, that that is like a place of refuge for you. And I asked her, I said, can I share this story with, with um, the congregation on Sunday, and she said yes, but I, I want to read you her words because they're just so good. She said that when people share their stories about how they've come to AA, it's always a miracle about how we end up there. I've never heard anyone say, I walked into my first meeting knowing I would be better. It's hard to believe that God's at your side, but I knew and we all knew that something greater brought us there that first time. God if you feel like you're almost at the gate of refuge, it's because God has pushed you there. That's where God wants you to be. She said, the days before I got clean were the darkest. The days when she was running and hiding. She said, my whole world felt like it was ending and I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't know how to find light anymore. What used to work for me didn't and I could no longer escape the tidal wave of issues and troubles building up behind me. Anybody felt like that? You can no longer outrun the tidal wave of issues and troubles building up behind me. She was at a place in her life where she knew. She didn't have all the right words or thoughts about God, 
Everything in her life was not nice and clean and tidy in her life, but she knew she had to move from the place where she was to the place where God wanted her to be. She had to keep being brave and strong and known and loved. She said, I walked in hopeless to that first meeting, and I wasn't sure how this would work out for me and if there was any hope I would ever be better. Did you hear that? At the door she said, I need hope that my life will not look like this forever. People in the rooms, though, were smiling and laughing and hugging, and they had something I wanted. They had found refuge. Do you hear what that looks like? I didn't believe I could ever achieve what they had, but everyone loved me anyways. They welcomed me, and they asked me my name. It was a place where she was known. She said, it wasn't me who kept me going every day. I know now that it was people in that fellowship. It was God. The darkest days were just before that first meeting, but it didn't get be and it didn't get better right away. It took a long time. This is what she said. She had no idea what I was going to preach on this morning. She said, but the rooms kept me known, they kept me loved, and they showed me how to live. Jesus offers this space to each of us. 2,000 years after Joshua says we can't experience the promised land without setting up a city of refuge, 2,000 years after that, God sends Jesus because he says these people cannot figure out how to quit running from their problems. And so Jesus modeled some ways to deal with some problems head on. Like you actually have to love your neighbor, you actually have to talk to them, you actually ought to serve people who don't look like you, think like you, breathe like you, smell like you. We still have to serve them, we still have to know them, we still have to love them. Jesus like exemplified that. And this world still chased after him until they crucified him. Until they crucified him on a cross. And you know what, y'all? Let me tell you, the God whose plan was to have refuge far be before any of us were created or thought about, he saw his son die on a cross behind all those things, and he rose again above those things. Those things do not have power. The light of God, the change of God, dispelled all of that. And now... We experience refuge because of that hope, that healing, and that wholeness that Jesus offers to each of us. And here's the deal. This is where churches always stop. We always stop right there. No, we are the body of Christ, and we ought to be offering that to the people around us. If you know somebody who, who's hurt, let be a space where they can admit they're hurting, where they need hope and healing and wholeness. They may not have the right words about Jesus or about God. They may not have everything figured out, right? Everything's not nice and tidy in their lives. But what does it look like when we, as the body of Christ, accept that hope and that healing and that wholeness, that refuge from God in the midst of all the stuff we have going on, and then we are actually the people Jesus has asked us to be, and we offer that to a world that needs it. Anybody here know somebody who needs a refuge this week? Anybody know somebody who needs that? This morning, Chris is going to come and lead communion. The band's going to come up here. And I... I just want you to take a moment this morning, and if you need refuge, what does it look like to just admit to God, I need some hope, I need some healing, I need some wholeness this morning. Chris and I will be at the back, and we'll be glad to pray with you. And for those of you who are like, I, I know the goodness of that refuge, what are you doing this week to offer that to other people? What does it look like? Who can you invite to experience the refuge that God has for them right now? Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for being a refuge for offering us love and light when we don't deserve it. For those of us in darkness and chaos, God, remind us 
that you are a God of light and love and that we don't have to run or hide from things anymore, that you will know us and you will love us regardless. We love you and we thank you for loving us. Amen.